When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by Third Love. Third Love's 24-7 t-shirt bra is the most comfortable bra I've ever owned. It's made out of super soft memory foam that molds to your shape, and it truly gives you the perfect fit for you. Third Love stands behind this product so much that they're willing to let our All The Books listeners try the 24-7 t-shirt bra for free for 30 days. If you love it, you keep it, they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, you send it back and your card will not be charged. Start your free trial now at thirdlove.com books. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 62, and today we are talking about books released on July 12th, 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hello. I'm really sad that we did not record our pre-show banter today because you were just (laughs) rattling off amazing shark facts. I do. That's why I don't go in the water. <laughs> <laughs> you can live every week like it's Shark Week, Liberty. Yes. yes. I, I'm terrified of sharks, but I will read about them whenever possible. I've spent a lot Except of time Except when I'm driving. I don't read about them when I'm driving. I and take that back. I've never gotten anywhere near a shark that I know of. You could listen to books about sharks while you're driving. That's true. That that's, is. That's a good point. Technology. <laughs> But that's my music time, because that's the only time I'm not reading. So. Oh, and then if you gave up your music time, I wouldn't get the amazing texts about 90s music discovery. <laughs> <laughs> not only 90s music discovery, but now, like, like correcting 90s music. Like, this is no longer PC. You can't say that anymore. Yeah, Bad job, Sean Mullins. Right. So widely applicable, <laughs> sadly. Like, oh, you could not release this song in the age of the internet. Yeah. That's my favorite thing now. It's my new favorite game is text Rebecca corrected lyrics. I'm so delighted that I am the recipient of your corrected 90s lyrics. Well, because I know that you know all these songs and this is all like new to me. You know, I was listening to grunge and heavy metal back then. So now I've been listening to like these 90s playlists on Spotify and I'm like, oh, so this is what everybody's talking about. Just like when we go to karaoke, I get to see these songs and then I get to see the videos that go with them that I've never seen before. Like, the last time we went, do you remember? I was like, w- w- did Britney just murder someone? Like, <laughs> I've never seen these. This is all new to me. Welcome to my wheelhouse. We have never been cool here. <laughs> um, before we get started with the show today, I just want to do a little moment of self-promotion. Um, over on the Book Riot podcast, which I usually host every week with Jeff O'Neill, I got to do an interlude episode with Kevin Wynn, who's the deputy editor of GQ.com, and Lisa Lucas, who is the executive director of the National Book Foundation. That was that show's version of the 2016 halftime show. Um, and so I got to talk to them about their favorite books of the year so far and about what 2016 has been like for books. Um, and a few of my favorites that uh, I maybe didn't talk about on our show or some additional ones. So if you are looking for more best books of the year so far, check out the Book Riot podcast episode about that. You can find it at bookriot.com slash podcast. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it was They're really so cool. fun. They are. Getting paid to talk to, you know, fun, interesting people, including you, about books is just, you know, pretty fantastic. It's the next best thing to getting paid to sit around reading books, which we don't get to do. So <laughs> I will take it. Yeah, but did they tell you any cannibal shark facts? They did not. Yeah, that's what I'm good for. You're good for so many things, including <laughs> leading off the show with your first pick. Yes, I am so excited about this book. I saw an image of the cover on Twitter and I immediately requested it because it looked like a good book of stories and not because it has a, a car on fire. <laughs> I'm not a firebug. Um, it's called Heartbreaker Stories by Maurice Meyer. And it's spelled M-A-R-Y-S-E-M-E-I-J-E-R. I had to ask how to say that. I was like, I'm going to screw this up. So it's Maurice Meyer. Um, she is like if Kelly Link and Donald Ray Pollock had a baby. That's what these stories were like. That's what they reminded me of. There's this otherworldliness to them. Uh, like there's one about a feral child who is apparently a monster. Um, and there's one about a dead girl who comes back to life. So it has like these like strange, you know, unusual things happening. But like Pollock, they're just these beautiful aching stories of longing and people's appetites for self-destruction. Um, nothing, nothing good it happens in these stories. <laughs> Nothing goes well for people. Um, these characters are outcasts. They're loners. They're freaks. And each story is their search for belonging. Um, the one there, like I said, there's one about the feral child. There is a, a very nice man who finds her and is determined to love her, no matter how terrible she is, um, how you know furry she gets, like how much she fights and scratches and hisses. Um, there's one about a lonely girl who becomes fixated on a woman who works behind a jewelry store counter. There's one, like I said, about the girl who was raised from the dead, but she's not really sure she should be there. She doesn't feel really good about being alive again. Um, my favorite one is called The Fire. It's about a burgeoning pyromaniac and his romance with the fire that he sets. It's Ooh. like his interaction with the fire, like it speaks to him. It's a her. Like she speaks to him. And he, you know, encourages her and brings her gasoline and accelerants and, you know, just watches her progression as she's, like, burning down thousands of acres. Um, these stories are very funny. They're very upsetting. And they're very sweet. They're just glimpses of people seeking normalcy, not just for themselves, but for others, um, whether they want it or not. And it's about the sad and sometimes disturbing ways they go about finding it. Um, it's absolutely astounding, like... I love this so much. I'm putting it in the mail to you uh, as soon as I can. Ooh. Yeah. Again, it's called Heartbreaker Stories by Maurice Meyer. I'm definitely going to read that since you're sending it to me and also because you know I love Kelly Link. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I don't know who else to... Con like, Kelly Link is a little different, but it, it did remind me of her. So for what it's worth, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, my first pick this week is Syracusa by Delia Efron. She was Nora Efron's sister and is a very prolific writer in her own right. She wrote um, You've Got Mail, among many other delightful things. She you know, is a novelist and writes movie screenplays and essays and all sorts of stuff. This was my first time reading her, and this novel is bonkers and so perfect for summer. It's about two couples, Michael and Lizzie, who are from New York City. He's a playwright. He won the Pulitzer for his first play, sort of a boy wonder situation. Now he's working on a novel that's not going very well. 
Lizzie is a struggling journalist. She's, you know, had a career, but she's like really drying up for story ideas and doesn't know what she's going to do next. And they are going on vacation to Italy with another couple, Finn and Taylor, that they have been friends with. This is not like a vacationing with best friends situation. It's just that last year they all ran into each other in London on vacation and hung out a bunch and had a good time. And someone said, hey, we should do this again next year. And someone else took that seriously and actually planned a trip. Um, So they're vacation with Finn and Taylor and Finn and Taylor have this creepy daughter named Snow who's around 10. She's like not quite a tween yet but she's old enough to not be super attached to her parents even though she really is. They say she's very precious and very precocious and Taylor the mom has this very weird connected relationship to her. Lizzie, the wife in the New York couple, and Finn, the husband in the other couple, they live in Portland, Maine. Hey, hey, Liberty. Um, They had a thing a long time ago, but their partners suspect that they might be getting up to trouble together again and that the trip was an excuse for them to be together. Meanwhile, Taylor is being way too attached to her daughter, Snow, and Michael, the husband on the other side, is furtively texting his mistress at home through the whole trip and like all of the crazy action happens when they're in Syracuse, which is this small town in Italy, staying in this little hotel where like nothing is really very nice. The trip is not going the way they want it to go. It's this like betrayal and resentment and soapy gossipy things and surprising turns. And because she is an Ephron, there's really sharp observations about marriage and relationships and femininity and womanhood as well. It's so dramatic and melodramatic and it's perfect in those ways. Just so, so good for summer. It it was a million degrees here when I was reading it. So I turned all the pages on my couch. But if you are somewhere where it's nice or you want to be outside. This is like a get a sunburn novel. It's so page turny and wonderful. And the writing is great. Um, I'm just in the mood for these this summer, like potato chip books that have some substance to them, but that are scandalous and awesome. And Syracuse is the leader of the pack so far. It's spelled S-I-R-A-C-U-S-A after that small town in Italy. Again, it's by Delia Efron. Nice. So good. Lead us into our next sponsor, Liberty. All right. Our next sponsor is What the Dead Want by Nora Olson. This is sponsored by Epic Reads. And it is about Gretchen. 16-year-old Gretchen's passion for photography came from her mother Mona before she disappeared years ago. When Gretchen's great-aunt Esther calls unexpectedly to tell her that she has inherited a mansion on her mother's side. Why doesn't that ever happen to us? (laughs) No kidding. We can make (laughs) such good use of that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, book commune. Anyway, um, she inherits a mansion... From her mother's side of the family in upstate New York, and Gretchen understands nothing except that her aunt needs her help. But what she finds there is beyond her imagination. It's full of secrets and ghosts of the past. The mystery of Mona's disappearance and the evil that happened there during the Civil War are inextricably intertwined, and it's up to Gretchen to figure out how before even more lives are lost. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't plan that. That was so good. (laughs) It's a classic haunted house mystery with a twist. It's for, you know, readers who want something creepy, but it also has, like, historical background based in past. Like, I'm so excited to read this because I love the Civil War era. Yeah. Yeah. It says it centers on a Civil War era murder with journal entries interspersed that chronicle Gretchen's ancestors' assistance with the Underground Railroad and a town rife with racial tensions. Plus, it has eerie photographs in the style of, like, Asylum and Miss Peregrine's House for Peculiar Children or home for peculiar children, I should say. Um, she researched the time period's obsession with documenting ghosts and works this into the story. So it sounds really awesome. 
And we thank them for sponsoring, and we will have a link in the show notes so you can check it out. And that's called What the Dead Want by Nora Olson. Yes, that part too. (laughs) That's why there's two of us. (laughs) So I kind of wish that I had talked about my next book after your right after your last book because I had like a good lead in, but I'm just gonna ah. I'm just gonna use it anyway. Okay. Even though it doesn't really work anymore. So speaking about you've got mail, um, my next pick reminded me a bit of that story, and it is called A Very Special Year by Thomas Monteser. Um, this is a German author. It, it did really well in Germany, and now it's here in English, and it's just absolutely delightful. It's about a young woman named Valerie. She's a, a young 20-something, no-nonsense woman. She's studying to be, like, an accountant. She's a business major. Um, she has a really boring fiancé or boyfriend. Uh, I read it a while ago. I'm trying to remember. And she gets this this call. Um, she has an Aunt Charlotte, and her Aunt Charlotte has vanished. She's just up and vanished without a trace. Uh, and the only thing that is left is a piece of paper on the table that says, My niece Valerie is to look after everything. And that everything is a bookshop. Aunt Charlotte ran a bookshop for decades. Like an old-fashioned, you know, stuffed-to-the-brim bookshop that Valerie has really fond memories of visiting as a child. But as she got older, she did not visit as much. Her father and her aunt did not see eye-to-eye. And Valerie didn't visit very often. So Valerie decides she's going to step up and take the responsibility. So she shows up at the shop planning to, like, get everything in order and sell it. Um, you know, and, and hoping that the note means that nothing horrible has happened to Aunt Charlotte. Um, and she shows up. That's, like I said, the place is stuffed with books. There's no computer. There's no internet. She barely keeps any any like records of, of her accounts. You know, she's in debt. Um, Valerie is completely disgusted, you know. So she goes in there that first day, and she starts straightening everything out, and she's looking everything over. And she picks up a book and starts reading and then the next thing she knows, it's night. She has sat down and read an entire book. And she's like, oh, that's that's so unlike me. Um, oh, but that's so perfect and wonderful. Yes, but books are so perfect and wonderful. And so the next day, the same thing. She goes in and she starts cleaning, but then she picks up a book and she starts reading and she just really loses herself in the book and, until, you know, she realizes, like, the whole day has passed again. Um, and in the meantime, her uptight, you know, boring boyfriend, Sven, has come to visit. And he's not any help at all. He just, like is disgusted with the way things are there and, like, her record-keeping, and he's just kind of not helping the situation. Um, whereas Valerie is, like, starting to really enjoy being in the bookstore. And this just continues on, and she keeps cleaning and, and looking at things until she finds a book called A Very Special Year. And this is a beautiful, gorgeous hardcover. The cover is amazing. It's so beautifully detailed. And she starts to read it, and it turns out that it's unfinished. The story, you get, like, a bit of the story, and then it stops. And she's like, oh, well, there's, you know, obviously something wrong with this book, or it was defective, and that's why she kept it around and, you know, probably meant to send it back or whatever. I mean, she goes about her business until a few days later, a handsome stranger appears. And can you guess what he's looking for? <laughs> the book! That very book! And he's not <laughs> boring like Sven? No, he's not boring like Sven. And you can guess what happens next. But, Love. Yes, but that's okay. So, like, predictability isn't always a bad thing. Like, if you drink a Coke every single day and then one day you opened one and it tasted like a toasted squirrel, that would be a bad thing. Like, you want predictability sometimes. So, this, and that's exactly what this is. It's just this really charming, quick read. I absolutely loved it. If you've read something heavy and depressing lately, like, this is a great palate cleanser. Um, 
his descriptions of the store and the books are just like a book book nerd's dream. Like he talks about different books and his aunt, like his aunt, her aunt, like kept files and like notes about each book that she read and like who it would be good to recommend it to. And you get to read all those. And it's just, it's so delightful. If you enjoyed 84 Charing Cross Road, uh, Readers of Broken Wheel recommend, Story Life of A.J. Fickery, these are the perf- this is like the perfect book to go with that. Um, it also reminded me a lot of Antoine Lorraine, who wrote The Red Notebook and The President's Hat. The writing style reminded me a lot of that. It's just absolutely charming. And again, it's called A Very Special Year by Thomas Montessor. That sounds just lovely. It is just lovely. I was actually, like, writing things down. I'm like, is this a real book? I hope like, hope this is a real book. And I would look it up, and I was like, it is a real book. And now Yay. I have, like, ten more books on my list that I want to read. <laughs> I just assume that that's how most reading experiences go for you. Yeah. It, it was awesome. Uh, my next one is also really lovely. It's called 60 Degrees North. Um the subtitle is Around the World in Search of Home by Malachi Tollock. Um, he grew up in Shetland, which is on a small island that the 60th parallel passes through. The town's identity is really tied to that location and to what it is to be at you know 60 degrees north. Uh, and Tollock is tied to the location as well. His identity is all wrapped up in being from there. And after his father's death, he starts thinking about all of the other lives and cultures that exist along the 60th parallel, but in other parts of the world, and thinking that he wants to visit them, that maybe going to other places will help him understand the place that he is from and why he feels so connected to it. And so he thinks about this forever. And 10 years later, he sets out uh, to visit th these places that the 60th parallel passes through, including Greenland, Canada, Alaska, a couple different parts of Russia, Finland, Sweden, and Norway. And the book is a mix of travelogue and straight memoir about the places that he goes and what he sees there. Um, in every place, he tries to like walk as close as he can to actually where the 60th parallel is supposed to pass that particular piece of the world. Um, and it's just really, it's beautiful and thoughtful. I love... Uh, and if you've listened to the show for a while, you know this, like, I, I love books about travel that get at what we're trying to do when we travel. And 60 Degrees North does that very well. In the opening, he says, uh, then there was restlessness, that fizzing pressure within that makes me long for what is else elsewhere, for what is far away. That restlessness, that joy and curse that I have known for most of my life brings unease when I ought to be content. It brings contentment when I ought to be uneasy. It sends me out into the world almost against my will. And I just like underlined it. And then I read it out loud to Bob a couple of times and was like, that's it. Like, that's what I feel when I want to go travel also. Um, I was a little skeptical about the framing of the memoir going Going in, like, is this going to be a gimmick that he's going to go to all these places on the 60th parallel? But the framing really works for him, and he makes it so unusual and so interesting in the way that he sort of meditates on these places um, that are relatively remote, that are sometimes very difficult to live in, um, what that means to be a person from one of those places, and why you would visit what it does to you as a traveler or as someone who resides there. It's not gimmicky at all, it's so thoughtful and lovely. I just really appreciated on so many levels the context that he brought to all the different reasons that we travel, um, the difficult experiences in our lives that getting away from home can help us process and make sense of. It's just a fantastic book. Um, I don't know how, I don't even know how it 
you know, turned up for me, um, other than showing up in the mail and catching my eye. So I certainly hope that if you're into travel, or if this sounds good, you won't have to just rely on luck, you can listen about it here. Uh, It should be widely read. I really loved it. Again, it's called 60 Degrees North by Malachi Talak, T-A-L-L-A-C-K. Awesome. So good. Let's roll on. Yeah. My next one is from my favorite people at Unnamed Press. It is called Neon Green by Margaret Wappler. And it takes place in Chicago, 1994, but a slightly altered version of what we knew back then in 1994. Kurt Cobain is still dead. Uh, Grunge is still a thing. But there's something a little bit different that I'm going to explain to you in a minute. Um, It focuses on the Allen family. Ernest and Cynthia are the parents. Ernest is like uh, Ed Bigley Jr. He's just like all about the environment and making sure his kids recycle and everybody does everything right. And he's kind of a drag. Um, They have two teenage kids, Allison and Gabe. They love listening to grunge music. They think their parents are square. They think their lives are boring. And they're having a normal summer in 1994 until a spaceship from Jupiter lands in their backyard. Now, (laughs) this is not just a random UFO encounter. It turns out that this is actually a thing that you can enter a sweepstakes for. Like, you enter the sweepstakes you have... To get the UFO? To get the UFO to land in your backyard. And so, Gabe, it turns out, has entered, even though Ernest is not really into space, he thinks that we have enough problems on this planet without dealing with people from other planets, and he just he's really furious that Gabe did this without his permission. But there it is, this big UFO has landed in their backyard. Um, and so Ernest is furious, of course, because the spaceship's engine is, you know, burning up his grass and emitting, you know, toxic things into the air and all this stuff. Um, and, and this is the thing that's been happening, but the spaceships don't really do anything. They land in, and then they sit there for like nine months making little noises and flashing little lights, but then they just leave. His wife calls it like an alien pregnancy. It's like nine months <laughs> and then they're gone. Um, so the family begins a journal to keep track of like the ship's like movements and motions and noises to try and see if there's like something going on there that they could figure out. But it turns out that this is actually their preferred method of communicating with one another. And so they all start telling each other things like through the journal. And through the journal, they also learn of like Ernest's increasing paranoia surrounding the aliens um, and the government and just the general unhappiness within the family. It just really shines a light on the Allen family and like more it keeps better tabs on them than it actually Mm -hmm. does on the aliens. Um, It's just really funny and witty. It's a real social commentary. It's a look at, like, life before the, you know, technology age. And it's I absolutely adored it. It, Again, it's called Neon Green by Margaret Wappler. To roll onto mine and continuing my, like, soapy, dramatic, fun reads for the summer. Um, I have a twofer because Tiny Pretty Things by Sona Cheripotra and Daniel Clayton is out in paperback today. And then the second book in their series, Shiny Broken Pieces, comes out. Uh, this series follows three hyper-competitive ballerinas at an elite ballet school in Manhattan, or at least that's what happens in Tiny Pretty Things. You get to see the three girls uh, in competition with each other, and there's backstabbing, and there's 
there's gossip and there's dance stuff and it's just so great. Uh, and then now in Shiny Broken Pieces, all three of them are vying for one available spot and an exclusive dance company. I love these books so much. Um, Sona and Danielle are wonderful people and so creative and fun. Uh, and the books are just page turning. The writing is smart. The casting is inclusive. You don't have to look like someone off of Gossip Girl to be that kind of character in a book and they know that. And I just think it's so much fun if you want just like a really soapy, delicious YA read uh, that you can feel good about yourself. Uh, for to just for the way that you'll devour it pick up tiny pretty things and then shiny broken pieces by sona Cheripotra and danielle clayton and as a bonus sona Cheripotra will be making a repeat appearance at book riot live this fall she is wonderful she was there last year and she's agreed to come back um to such an interesting person and the way that they run cake literary which is the company uh, that helps produce tiny pretty things and other uh, creative young adult stories is fascinating so that segues me into our final sponsor spot this week, uh, which we have taken ourselves for Book Riot Live. We just want to remind you that we're going to be hanging out in New York City on November 12th and 13th. Sona will be there. Walter Mosley will be there. Ruman Alam, who wrote Rich and Pretty, which we talked about on the show, will be there. Meg Medina, whose books we have talked about here, will be there. Mara Wilson, who is a writer and an actress and one of the wonderful voices on Welcome to Night Vale, will be there. Ken Liu, Baz Dreisinger, whose book Incarceration Nations, I talked about will be there it's going to be so much fun so check out bookriotlive.com check out the full list of speakers and when you register use the offer code more cats m-o-r-e-c-a-t-s all one word to get twenty dollars off your weekend pass and come hang out with us yes come hang out with us yeah all right last round it's my turn mm -hmm. i saved this one for last because i can't say that much about it okay really i i'm like really worried like, if, like, I'm going to tell you the title, and then don't look it up, because it'll ruin everything for you. I don't know what people are saying about it. Just don't do it. Just read this book. It's called The Devourers by Indra Das, and it's so fantastic. I saw people raving about it, and I was like, whoa, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to read it. And holy cats, it's so good. But again, I don't want to give too much away. But it starts off in present-day India. There's a history professor named Alok, and he's out in for the evening enjoying a concert and he steps outside for a smoke and while he's out there smoking he meets a handsome stranger a lot of handsome strangers on this show today <laughs> he meets a handsome stranger who starts to tell him a story even though he's like uh, i didn't ask to hear your story but the guy just starts telling him this story and it turns out that the story is so enchanting that alec finds himself like almost in a trance like he can't stop listening and he just in the, but the stranger stops before he finishes, and he's like, "Well, what happens?" And he's like, "Oh, well, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you now." And Alex like, oh, he, he so desperately wants to hear the rest of the story. He can't even believe how much he wants to hear the story. He doesn't understand what just happened to him. You know, like, did the guy drug him? Like, what just happened? So instead of finishing the story, the stranger makes a confession, which I'm not gonna tell you because you know it would ruin everything. Um, and so, but what he tells Alec is, is you know unbelievable but for the sake of hearing the rest of the story Alec kind of plays along and, and says yes I believe you that this is actually a thing that's true um and so the stranger agrees to meet him the next night and talk to him some more and in that way Alec winds up agreeing to transcribe a collection of notebooks parchments and human skins for the stranger <laughs> um, he's been carrying these journals around and he wants him to transcribe them and so he agrees to do it because the stranger tells him he'll tell him the rest of the story 
Um, and so the story that he starts to transcribe is a story of India in the 17th century. It's about a wanderer and his companions, and the wanderer is drawn to a woman he cannot be with, uh, for reasons that I cannot tell you. And as Alec translates this story, he finds himself drawn deeper and deeper into the stranger's dark and secretive world. And, like, he just needs to know, and he wants to be a part of this. It's absolutely spellbinding, like the story itself. It's it's so fantastic, and the language is intoxicating, and there's so much of it. Like, do you know when you... I've mentioned this before, like, when you're reading something, and it feels like there's more words on the page than there actually is. Like, not yeah. in a bad way, but just, like, you're just surrounded with it. I actually was, like, reading it at dinner, and my boyfriend was, like... We, we were sitting on the couch. It's not like we were at dinner. I'm not that rude. <laughs> You're um, not a monster. <laughs> I'm not a monster. But, like, I had it open while we were eating dinner. And my boyfriend was like, that's a lot of adjectives on that page. <laughs> I was like, it is. It's so just colorful and beautiful and amazing. And, again, it's called The Devourers. I can't. It's like I'm not saying it right. Like, my main accent is getting in the way of me saying <laughs> Devourers. Devourers. <laughs> yeah. By it's like that episode of 30 Rock with the Rurger. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I was watching that. I've been watching that on Netflix right now, and, you know, watching it as a 40-year-old woman is hitting a little close to home. But anyway, um, again, it's The Devourers by Indra Das. Speaking of spellbinding, I'm just going <laughs> to piggyback right into my last one. The paperback release of one of my favorite books of last year, one of my favorite books of the last several years, actually, is today. It's Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho. This is just so much fun. Um, that's basically the theme of my picks today. Uh, it's about the Royal Society of Unnatural Philosophers in Britain and Zacharias Wythe, who is the Sorcerer Royal of the Unnatural Philosophers. Uh, in this magical Britain, the flow of magic to England from fairyland has dried up. That's how magic gets into England. The fairies release it. And Zacharias has to go to fairyland basically to negotiate the deal and get magic back. Um, but along the way, he stops at a home slash school for troublesome girls who are magical, but who are being taught dangerous spells to help them suppress their magic because it is believed that magic is too much for girls, basically. While he's there, he meets this fantastic woman named Prunella Gentlewoman. Prunella is my favorite character of, like, forever, I think. Uh, and she is quite a sorcerer in her own right. They team up to bring magic back to England, but also to bring women back to magic. Uh, and the two are very connected. The book is so feminist. It's so funny. It's so inclusive. The magic is real and easy. Like, I mean, as real as magic can be and easy to imagine. It's not, you know, just it's not intentionally convoluted the way that magic can be in fiction. Sometimes this is the book. I've said it several times and I know it makes some of you guys sad, but this is the book that I really wanted Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell to be. And it's not nearly as long. Uh, it's just perfect, I think. Um, I did not know that it was the first in a series when I read it, but then I was delighted that there would be more of them. Uh, again, it's called Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, if, uh, and it stands alone very well. So if you you know want to read a great what feels like a one-off, um, pick this up. You will be ready and waiting for the second one whenever it comes out soon. Uh, good job, Zen Cho. I love this book so much, and I, I think it's been long enough since I talked about it. This paperback release is very conveniently timed for me, and I appreciate that, too. Uh, so that wraps up our picks for the week. What are you going to go read now? I'm going to read something that just came in the mail. I don't even know what it's about, uh, It's but I know that it's from Saraband Books, who are amazing. It's called Malafemina by Louisa Ermolino. 
I'm probably saying that wrong. But all I know is that the first three blurbs, this is a book for you, are by Hanya Yanagihara, Lily Tuck, and Delia Efron. Oh, you my just body is about. ready. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, it doesn't have a description on the back. What's it called? Called Mala Femina. It's M A L A F E M M E N A. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably be sending you this too. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be eagerly waiting. Um, I'm going to go read Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, which comes out in a few weeks. And I've been hearing about it for months and months and months, but I just found out what it was about when I was filming my um, five books to watch for in July video recently. So it's like uh, this guy in Chicago gets kidnapped and drugged. And when he wakes up, um, he is greeted by someone who says, welcome back. But he's welcome back into a world that was different than the one that he left like his wife is not his wife his son was never born um that's just the pitch from the back of the book um so i have no idea but it sounds like a great you know interesting summer thriller so i'm gonna give that a whirl awesome yeah and that wraps us up for the day another successful episode of all the books thanks again to our sponsors third love go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your free 30-day trial with the 24 7 t-shirt bra and to epic reads uh go check out what the dead want by nora olson we'll have a link to it in the show notes or you can find it wherever books are sold and don't forget to use the code more cats to get 20 dollars off your weekend pass to book riot live at bookriotlive.com as always, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S C H I N S K Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. If you have a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes, we would also be most appreciative of that. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more books out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And uh, I think we should dedicate this next part to that happy little toddler out there. Oh, that was the best. One of our <laughs> listeners tweeted that uh, she listens to the show with her child. And now the little kid walks around saying, Happy, happy reading! reading.